Hello, you're listening to Health Affairs This Week. I'm Rob Lott. And I'm Kathleen Haddad. This is the weekly podcast where the editors at Health Affairs talk about the health policy news and stories we've been following throughout the week. Now, uh, Kathleen, before we dig into the matter at hand, I did want to mention a few new items from Health Affairs for our listeners. Uh, The first is a new health policy brief, the latest in our series on social determinants of health. This one is titled Water Insecurity in Population Health, Implications for Health Equity and Policy, and it was written by Laura J. Cushing and colleagues from UC Berkeley, UCLA, and Spelman College. Thanks, Rob. And one other announcement. I want to point listeners to the latest and last episode in our podcast series, Research and Justice for All, sponsored by CVS Health. This episode is titled How the Private Sector Can Address Health Equity and features guest Rashad Burgess of Gilead Sciences. So Kathleen, in in just a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about a few new announcements and headlines that we've been hearing, all having to do with some intriguing partnerships in the Medicare Advantage space. Uh, But I want to set the stage here and remind our listeners how we got here, specifically when it comes to Medicare Advantage supplemental benefits, right? So Medicare Advantage, also sometimes called Medicare Part C, are private plans uh, that offer the same benefits covered under original Medicare, but can also offer supplemental benefits such as dental or vision. And in most markets, except for a few very rural counties, there are multiple plans competing, trying to get new and more beneficiaries to sign up with them. So they're not only trying to lure people away from traditional Medicare, they're also trying to beat each other in the enrollment game, right, Rob? Exactly. And so what's one way to compete? You offer better or really more enticing supplemental benefits. Now, historically, CMS required that supplemental benefit offerings had to be primarily related to the member's health needs, which is why we've always seen a big focus on dental and vision. But that changed with the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018. Uh, We actually published an article about this on Forefront last year by Allison Reiser and Laura Benzing, and they spell it out this way. Plans were allowed, finally, to offer, quote, supplemental benefits for the chronically ill that are not primarily related, uh, opening uh, the door for benefits that are social services in nature, such as food, non-medical transportation, pest control, companion care, and rent subsidies. And then, Kathleen, later that same year, CMS expanded the definition of primarily health-related supplemental benefits. Reiser and Benzing explained that this opened the door even more uh, to allowing non-medical benefits that help prevent or address cognitive and functional decline, such as uh, respite care and in-home supports. And so did plans pursue this option to provide these non-health-related supplemental benefits when it became available? Yeah, they sure did, slowly but surely, uh, with more and more doing so every year. In fact, from 2020 to 2022, the number of plans offering non-medical benefits has tripled from 626 to 1,851, and it seems like they're getting really uh, more and more creative as well. And it's against this backdrop, Kathleen, that we saw some really creative announcements over the last few weeks, right? 
Right, Rob. Uber got into the healthcare market several years ago by partnering with certain plans like MA plans that offer these supplemental benefits. Healthcare providers would be set up with an app allowing them to order prescription drugs or over-the-counter items uh, that patients need. And providers could also set up car rides to medical appointments. So the health plan pays for these benefits and then Medicare pays the health plans. And so in that context, uh, what's the news this week, Kathleen? Well, this week, Uber announced a partnership with Optum, an arm of United Healthcare, which offers Medicare Advantage plans across the country. This venture will enable enrollees to contact Uber directly for services using their Uber app. An enrollee who has supplemental benefits adds their health insurance card to their Uber app. Optum uploads the enrollee's insurance data to Uber. Then the Uber app shows the enrollee all the supplemental services available to them, including, for example, drugstore and grocery items. So a patient could order a prescription drug, a bottle of Tylenol, milk, eggs, and a watermelon, all from Uber Health, (laughs) and have it delivered to their home. Medicare tax dollars pay for this. The Medicare Advantage plan and Uber each get a piece of the business. I love the idea of a watermelon arriving at my front door along with my uh, medications. Um, So, Kathleen, another example of these kinds of partnerships, and uh, it's interesting that both of these were announced within a few uh, days of of each other, um, was a, a teaming up of Instacart Health and Alignment Health to also offer uh, new Medicare Advantage plans that include Instacart grocery benefits. First of all, Rob, is there really a division called Instacart Health? Add that to Uber Health, and it seems like every app out there is just tracking the word health onto their name and saying it's a new, it's the new big priority. Yeah, it sure does sound a little funny. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Angry Birds Health and Fruit Ninja Health have in store for us as well. Anyway, uh, in terms of Instacart Health, this new partnership follows on the company's efforts last year to start allowing purchases with SNAP benefits. That's uh, supplemental nutrition assistance, uh, often referred to as food stamps, as well as a pilot project they ran over the last few years with the grocery store Aldi. Now, Alignment, um, the company Alignment Health um, is... uh, launching a health plan that will offer Instacart as a benefit um, to certain um, beneficiaries in 13 counties across California and Nevada. So how is this supposed to work, Rob? Well, let's say you're Medicare eligible and live in one of these counties um, when open enrollment kicks off on October 15th. That's the Sunday, by the way. Uh, You can choose one of these plans. Then once you're enrolled and you have a qualifying chronic condition, you get a benefit card with some Instacart allowances on it. The plan is to offer uh, between $50 and $100 in quarterly grocery allowances. Uh, You can buy a lot of watermelons with that, Kathleen. Um, plus a complimentary Instacart plus membership with free delivery on all orders over $35. Um, And here's a key live customer support line to assist with Instacart account setup and order placements. We'll talk a little more about that in a moment. So what's in it for these partners? Why team up like this? Uh, Well, for Instacart or Uber, it's as simple as uh, more new users 
especially from a population of consumers who might otherwise be reluctant to use a newfangled app for something like grocery shopping. Uh, hence, you see the uh, live customer support to sort of ease the transition. Um, and folks are a lot more likely to try something new like this if that's the only way they can access the new benefit. As for the Medicare Advantage plan, uh, the claim is that by giving people the tools to access healthy food choices, it's going to keep their chronic conditions stable and under control, which is to say they might use less medical care, which is to say uh, they might cost less to insure. And so the logic makes sense here, but the evidence of this pathway yielding better health and lower costs is uh, preliminary at best. Now, the other way, perhaps the more cynical way to look at it is that there are a lot of Medicare Advantage plans out there. They're all competing for beneficiaries. And one way to entice new enrollees, especially now that CMS has broadened its definitions, is to offer all kinds of supplemental benefits, especially the kind with a recognizable brand name like Instacart or Uber that might uh, make them more likely to capture people's attention when they're shopping for plans. Medicare Advantage plans are certainly on a marketing mission, Rob. If you catch any cable news show, you'll see lots of ads enticing seniors to sign up for MA plans with offers of benefits you can't get in traditional Medicare, like gym memberships and car rides, especially this time of year. The reality is that Medicare Advantage has been drawing seniors away from traditional Medicare for years. In 2010, just 24% of Medicare beneficiaries were enrolled in MA. In 2022, 45% were. Most of the new enrollment is by lower income and minority seniors, and MA plans are marketing to these groups with low or no premiums and an ample supply of supplemental benefits. Some of the people in these groups, those duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, are eligible for special needs MA plans called DSNPs. Health Affairs published a paper in July showing that many dual eligibles are enrolling in, so, these, in so-called Medicare look-alike plans, Medicare Advantage look-alike plans, which are not required to provide the kind of care coordination and specific benefits that DSNP plans must. Another important point is that MA plans are able to offer supplemental benefits because Medicare pays MA plans more per patient than it pays in the traditional Medicare program. The Biden administration has promised to even out payments, but until then, projections are for enrollment to continue increasing in MA plans, along with their ample supply of supplemental benefits. Wow, well, a, a really shifting landscape and um uh, no surprise there that uh, everyone's sort of trying to find their advantage, their niche, and uh, we'll have to watch and see how it unfolds. That's probably a good place to wrap up, Kathleen. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to Health Affairs This Week, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Rob. See you all next week. 